Welcome to the Triathlete Hour. This week, we're talking to one of the well-known behind-the-scenes names, Tommy Zafaris. Now, Tommy may be best known as Katie Zafaris' husband, but he's also raced on the ITU circuit all over the world, transitioned to being a well-respected triathlon photographer, and now has taken on a new role as the Talent ID Coordinator for USA Triathlon. He talks to us today about what all those journeys are like, what he's learned, and what he hopes to bring to talent development in the U.S. Now, this will be one of our last episodes for the year. Next week, Sid and I will recap 2021 and look back at some of the most exciting events, athletes, and moments, and some of the year's misses. Then stay tuned, because Triathlete Mag will have an exciting, short-run surprise for your ears in December and January. But first our chat with Tommy after this quick break. Power your next adventure with Outside Plus. Our Outside Plus membership gives you access not just to exclusive triathlete content, but to content across all our network brands like Backpacker, Velo News, Outside Magazine, and Trail Runner. With an annual membership, you get two magazine subscriptions, two Velo Press books, a library of resources like yoga journal meditation classes and clean eating meal plans, gear and event discounts, access to Gaia GPS, dozens of training plans through today's plan software, and a free finisher picks package each year. All for just $99. This is the world's best resource for training, nutrition, know-how, and how-tos. Join at triathlete.com backslash outside plus. That's outside, P-L-U-S, one word, dot com. All right, this week we're talking to Tommy Zafaris, best known as Katie Zafaris' husband, also photographer around the world, and now the USAT talent ID coordinator, which you're going to have to explain to us. But first, Tommy, the question I feel like with you is where in the world is Tommy? Where are you right now? <laughs> Thankfully, and for the first time in a long time, I am home. Um, and <laughs> home now is North Carolina. Um, Katie and I moved to North Carolina in January. Um, even though we moved in January, uh, it, we've only lived here for like six weeks total. So <laughs> um, getting settled in now finally. And um, yeah, super happy. Where I, I know where the silverware is now in our house, which is nice. <laughs> okay, so are you guys going to actually like stay in one place for multiple months now yeah so the plan is to be based at home now for a long time um and probably the next first wtcs race isn't until may as of right now so um in my mind i'm like i'm staying home till may so <laughs> um, i'll probably be leaving earlier that always happens um, but as of right now no trips uh, just staying home i think a lot of people are intrigued by your guys you're in katie's lifestyle because you're always like off on different different places sometimes you're at the same race but you're working different like you're like she's racing and you're uh shooting and you don't even see each other how does that all work do you guys like coordinate like a master calendar do you like plan so that you you hit the same places at the same time how yeah. often do you really see each other well we're very lucky in the fact that we see each other all the time because i train <laughs> with her full time um right. so i'm still training like 20 or 25 hours a week with her um and then when we go to all the camps with our squad, uh, obviously we're living together and training together, but my schedule is the same as her schedule because I shoot or work at all the events that she's racing at. Um, mm -hmm. But that's where it gets complicated is a lot of times we'll be in different hotels because I'm working for World Triathlon and she 
she's racing for USAT. Um, so sometimes we won't see each other until like race day or like race briefing or uh, just little points. Like in Tokyo at the Olympics, uh, she was staying in the village, but I wasn't allowed to go there. I was only allowed at the hotel and the venue. So I only would see her at the venue when she was there. Um, so I think I saw her a total of like 30 minutes <laughs> the entire like 10 days that we were there at the Olympics. So um, yeah, it, it gets complicated, but we, we make it work. We see each other a lot. So it's okay for one week to be apart. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Were you like texting from each other from like across the street, basically? Yeah, a lot of times that <laughs> we end up texting a lot more than yeah, talking. <laughs> right, right. So you obviously, I mean, a lot of people would think training 20, 25 hours a week is still like a pretty full time training, but you consider yourself pretty retired these days, right? Yeah, um, I had started off by saying semi retired because I would still race like three or four times a year. Um, and like get prize money and stuff like that. But then as I started working more, it became like two times a year and then only one time a year. And then now I haven't raced for like two years. So um, <laughs> I, I still have my elite card. And so I, I haven't said or announced any, that I'm like retired yet because um, if some race pops up, like I still don't feel right about racing like age group. <laughs> um, right. And if there's an opportunity to win prize money, like I'm for sure going to take that. So um, as of right now, I'm still renewing my elite license, but no racing plans in the future. I never set a calendar. I don't follow a training plan. Like I, I rarely, don't follow a training plan. <laughs> like I've only swam five times since Tokyo. I'm like, I don't need to swim right now. So <laughs> like, nice, nice. Yeah. I feel like I saw on your Instagram, isn't the whole focus on like Vince Louis, you know, 50, what was it? 50 meters and 50 meters in the pool and on the track. Yeah, in under so, a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So is <laughs> we were just joking around uh, at the track one day and I have no idea how it came up, but anyway, it ended up being 50 meters in the pool plus 200 meters on the track in under 52 seconds. And so it became this like sub 52 challenge. And I was like, okay, when like, do I have to do this by, do I have to do it in one day? He's like, no, no, no. You can do it as many times as you want. And you have until like we leave for Yokohama to do it. And if you do it, then um, I'll buy you a week's worth of Indian food. So okay. um, I did a 200 meter on the track one time. And then I'm like, if I do that again, I'm going to die. I'm going to get injured. Like this, it was the hardest thing I've ever done, like 200 meters all out. So I'm like, the only way I'm going to be able to to get under 52 is to do it in the pool. And so I got, got a race suit and like shaved and like really trained, like really hard to do this 50 free and did a 50 free. And then I was able to go 51, like nine, three or something like that total time. So under 52. And so okay. then Vince bought me Indian food for a week and not only me, but me and Katie. And so we had this like Indian food for dinner, Indian food for lunch, just day after day. <laughs> like, but I didn't get sick of it. It was awesome. <laughs> he even okay, asked good, me, he's like, I'll, I'll buy you something else if you want. And I was like, no, it was for Indian food. Let's do this. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> It seems like you guys make up a lot of random challenges for sure. Yeah, me and um, Yella and Martin and Vince uh, and Aaron actually like are constantly making these stupid little bets. But like to me, for me, they like making bets for me because I'm not racing full time. And like <laughs> that's my motivation to like train and like do stuff is um, coming up with a bet with them. So they keep me okay. they keep me fit. <laughs> Let's talk about before we talk about what exactly your fancy new job is. So obviously you I mean, like you said, you still have your elite license. You used to race pretty seriously how did you even get into triathlon in the first place then yeah so i swam for 16 years um and then retired from swimming and wasn't planning on doing sport ever again because mm -hmm. i was like oh like that much swimming as is customary with swimmers yeah exactly yeah. so you're like no more um and i was working at a grocery store and i was coaching swimming um at the club level high school level and collegiate level um and then at Safeway, somebody came in and was like oh you're doing the triathlon this weekend and like somebody that I knew and i was like 
uh, I don't even know what triathlon is. Like, what is that? And they're like, oh, let me put you in touch with the race director. Turned out the race director was one of my old, like, junior lifeguard coaches or, like, instructors. Um, and so I contacted them. I was like, somebody told me there was a triathlon thing. Like, what is it? And they're like, oh, we'll give you a free entry. Like, uh, they knew me from swimming and, like, the right. background and everything. So they gave me a free entry to this race. And, like, I just bought a bike, like, that week. Um, it was, like, this old road bike that was, like, size 57. I ride size 54. So it was, like, way too big. Um, had, like, old campy. <laughs> and like uh, just this aluminum frame huge chunky thing and I was just using it as transportation because gas was super expensive so I like showed up this race didn't even own running shoes had never owned a pair of running shoes I was planning on running in vans but my mom was like you're gonna get injured if you do that so I'm gonna buy you a pair of running shoes so my mom bought me a pair of running shoes for this race um, and then yeah I did the the first triathlon it it went okay Um, which one like what race was it? so Santa Cruz Sentinel it was called at the time so it was just a local race that was my first triathlon yeah nice Uh, it, it had been around for years and so in my mind I was like oh this is like a very prestigious race and like um, I ended up finishing I think 10th overall or something like that and it was one of those where I like was first out of the water by like three minutes and then was just right. getting passed by everyone on their like aero helmets time trial bikes and I'm just like Whoa. like didn't even know how to shift out of my big ring so I'm like doing this right. hilly race and like big ring the whole time like grinding um, yeah but and so the, the next time I was like all right I'm gonna um, do this race again next year but this time I'm gonna train for it and I saved money okay. and like bought a time trial bike um, um, I ended up getting, I ran into the lead van because um, instead of a lead moto, they had a lead van and I was out of the water first before anybody else. And so there was nobody else around and the police thought the van was just a car that wasn't supposed to be on the course. So they stepped out in front and tried to stop it. And I was just time trying with my head down. And I look up and the van was just stopped and I just ran <laughs> straight in the back of it, uh, going oh, like God. 30 miles an hour or something. Uh, so then I was in the newspaper and <laughs> Victor Plata, who's 2004 Olympian, who's from Santa Cruz, my town, yeah. uh, he contacted me. He was like, Hey, I want to uh, coach you. And like, um, told me about, ITU and draft legal triathlon and how it was in the Olympics and like because this was only my first year in the sport and Mm -hmm. I had no idea about anything so um yeah he ended up coaching me and then at that same time Bevan Doherty who was a two-time Olympic medalist in triathlon (laughs) moved to Santa Cruz and contacted me about swimming together um and so then I was being mentored by him and then yeah kind of got spiraled into that and he was one of the main people who got me over to Europe in the very beginning and um helped me with my development and um yeah my the where I got to um in life in triathlon <laughs> in life. okay because you were I mean you were doing the whole I, I always feel weird when we call it ITU now because it's not called ITU anymore but yeah. the whole ITU scene uh like flying all over the world racing all over getting points all that kind of stuff yeah like my intro to triathlon was definitely full of massive mistakes and um uh, <laughs> which we'll connect this later but my role now um everything that i learned from my <laughs> first two years in sport is what i'm going to try to prevent for like all the new talent coming through usat is like try to skip those steps of like the okay. learning don't process. crash into the van yeah. don't cr- trash in the van don't eat weird stuff before like don't leave your passport at home like <laughs> you know like <laughs> just all these stupid little things like learn how to pack your bike uh like pack it nicely learn how to clean your bike and <laughs> like right, you know, like right the basics from a to z of triathlon yeah so. <laughs> okay and so uh obviously i've heard the story of how you and katie met but it was in some time that's when you're flying all over and katie was actually engaged with someone else and that's when you 
I swept her off her feet, right? <laughs> yeah, so we met at a race in Tijavaris, Hungary, a World Cup, um, which I actually wasn't supposed to be there. I actually got injured and then skipped, like changed my race schedule and ended up going to this race. And luckily I did because that's where I there met Katie. Um, and I don't drink alcohol. And I knew Katie was engaged. So I was like, oh, at the after party, um, like Katie's not going to go crazy. Like, so I'll hang out with her. And then we ended up- Katie's just, not going to go crazy because <laughs> we ended she's up engaged. talking like the whole night. And then she, I like messaged her. I was like, I don't think we should be talking this much. Like this is on Facebook. Facebook Messenger or whatever. And um, she was like, well, I don't want you to think I'm weird, but I'm actually going to call off my engagement. Uh, and I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then okay. like, I got a call the next day and like she with her parents like went and then she like realized she's like, I'm just settling. Like, I just I don't want to marry this person. And I just said yes, because I, I don't know why sort of thing. And so then she's like, you don't. I'm not asking you to like be with me right now. But like, you've shown me that there's something better or something more. And I was like, well, like from the time that we met, I knew it was different. And so like, let's definitely stay in touch. And so, of course we did. And yeah, we ended up like one month later, started dating. A year later, we got engaged. And then three months from that point, we got married. So it was like a year and four months from when we met to like when we got married. And yeah, this January will be seven years. <laughs> That's crazy. And you guys lived in a tiny house for a while too. Yeah, so we had uh, we were on the Tiny House Nation TV show <laughs> and got a custom tiny house built. But because we travel so much, we didn't really get a chance to live in it. Uh, probably a total of like one year out of the five years we had it. Um, uh, and so when we were gone, we Airbnb'd beat it. And then uh, my sister oh, really? and brother-in-law were taking care of everything. But it became too much. Uh, they have three young kids. So um, we decided to get a long-term renter. And so he had been renting it for about two years. Um, and then when we bought our house in North Carolina, we were going to use the tiny house as our California home. But the renter like really, really wanted to buy it. And so we ended up selling to him. So um, yeah, he's still there. <laughs> How much did you Airbnb your tiny house for? I have no idea because my sister and brother-in-law did everything. So like, oh, yeah, we just split 50-50 with them. And uh, yeah, they they took care of everything. So that's a good question. I think like that fluctuated based on like weekends. Yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking days. about like Santa Cruz and stuff. Like, I mean, it can be expensive there. So. Yeah, well, it was a hit and they were kind of bummed to like stop Airbnb it. But yeah, it's it's a lot of work like cleaning the house yeah, like yeah, every yeah, day yeah. or every two days. So, all right. See, who do you have? You have so many business ventures. There you go. <laughs> so at some point, I mean, obviously, you, I mean, lots of people take photos, right? So, but at some point here, you started to get taking more and more photos, practicing your photography, getting better and better and better. And now that you kind of transitioned into becoming almost a full-time photographer, how does that, I just, I know that we have a lot of, you know, readers, a lot of listeners who love photography and that, and, and you're like living the dream for them. How did you kind of make that, that transition there? Ooh, um, luck. <laughs> but, uh, so very short, but in 2014, when I was still racing full time and like going for the Olympics and stuff, um, I had an accident in Dallas, Texas, where I had a heat stroke and then started having mm. seizures. Um, mm. And so I got airlifted to the hospital. I was in a coma for 19 hours. Um, oh, the wow. doctors didn't think I was going to survive. And then when I did survive, they were surprised I didn't have like brain damage. And then they were also surprised I didn't have like needed an organ transplant or anything. Um, I lost my memory for over a week and they weren't sure if it was going to come back. But then here we are, came back. Woo um, <laughs> but that like, basically that's when I took a step back from racing full time. Okay. Um, and then at that same time was right when I met Katie. So um, it was kind of the perfect transition to like not sure if I was going to continue to be able to race. So I started training with her and then it turned out that like, I ended up being a pretty good training partner for her because mm -hmm. 
she's the best in the world. Like there's not many women who right. can like push her. Um, and so there's not many guys who are at her level as well in triathlon who would like sacrifice their career to like not focus on what they're doing to like do sure. her workouts and stuff like that. So it was kind of like the, the perfect um, meshing of like, I can still stay in the sport. I can still stay active. Um, and then, yeah, she has the the perfect training partner, not to brag, but, um, right. and then, like, <laughs> but she was like, you need to get a job. So I started working for Roca, who was one of my sponsors at that time, mm. um, back in the end of 2014. Um, so I worked for them for seven years until, um, just the end of last month, uh, when I got this new role. So, um, yeah, I was working for Roca, going to the races and I started out working for Roca at the races, but it turned out that like, I knew a few people who worked for world triathlon just from racing. So I yeah. asked like, Oh, could I do this? Could I do that? Like asking for different like access points. And because I was friends with these people, I was allowed access. Um, and then I would share my content with them. So I wouldn't just like keep it for Roka or for myself and like sell it. Like I would give it to them. And they saw that how valuable it was, the content that I was producing for them. And so then they actually brought me on as a content producer to work for them. Um, and at that same time, the team that brought me on, they transitioned to new roles and a new team came on. So they kind of used me to like uh, give an orientation kind of thing to the new team of like, this is how we've been doing things. These are things that we can change. Um, and so and you were like, I've been here forever. This is what I do. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I, I, I don't know this, but whatever. So I'm still a contractor. I'm not an actual employee of World Triathlon. I'm just right. contracted to be at um, specific races. Um, but yeah, I kind of just fell into that role. Um, and so then I was still able to work for Roca. I was still able to work for world triathlon at the races. Um, and then I was able to travel and train with Katie full time. Um, so it kind of all worked out. And then th recently I was like, man, this has just been a lot. Like it, it's very challenging to, and like stressful and especially race weekends. So I'm like, what else could I do? That's like kind of flexible. Um, that doesn't need me to come into an office. I don't need to move to like a different state, um, that I can still mm -hmm. train with Katie and like do this stuff. Um, and then I, I guess I can transition us into the next phase nice. of now like, you're um, ready to, the next phase of your life. Yeah, well, but, I would, well, before you do that, Tommy, I was just really hung up on like, how did you get good enough at photography mm. that people actually wanted to hire you? Yeah. So Katie bought me a camera in 2015 and okay. my parents were photographers. They were wedding photographers. So oh. I grew up around photography and like, you know, I was immersed in it because that's what they did. They had a home office right, so I, right. and I was homeschooled. So I was just around it all the time. Um, and so I didn't think I wanted to do that because they were wedding and portrait and like family photographers, but sports photography, very different. Um, right. but the, the basic of photography, the base layer of it is all the same. So um, I kind of was immersed in this life of being a photographer, not wanting any part of it. But then when Katie bought me a camera, um, I just like would hear my dad in the back of my mind, like, don't take a picture that everybody could take, like, make sure that um, it, there's something unique about it. Like, don't take that angle. Or like, my mom, I could hear her saying, like, if you see that light post or like a wire, like make sure that's not cropped in the image. And like, you don't want any distractions huh. if that's an orange cone and it's like a darker, you know, whatever it is. Uh, like all these little tiny things that most people don't think about. It was just ingrained in me. So when I started taking photos, they, 
started off being like one notch ahead of like beginner, I would say. Um, and then I was working with Nils Nilsson. Um, right. He worked for Roka as the director of photography. Um, and then Rob Canales, who's the CEO of Roka, gave me a much nicer camera and lens uh, to work with. And the idea was I was on the squad with Joel and Katie and Mario and Carol, uh, Martin Van Riel and uh, like Jake Burtwist, all these people who it's like, all right, you're with them every single day. If you get content of them, we can use that like on our social channels and in our marketing right. and like on the website and stuff like that. So they kind of were giving me direction in that area. And then when I was doing content for World Triathlon, I was working with Deli and Wagner and Janos right. um, and like finding out what the workflow was like. And so I was getting immersed in all these different worlds that um, really accelerated my learning curve. Um, and so I got very lucky in the fact that I was with them. So then every day, like with the right. squad, um, I was just practicing and I was practicing my workflow and my process and um, like my file ordering and like file naming and all kinds of stuff. So it was just like day on day on day on day. Um, because when you're in an elite squad environment, like you have access to almost a race style of athletes. Like right. you're training with 14 athletes. How many people have access to 14 world-class athletes every single day to like take pictures of? So, um, yeah, I just started taking all these pictures and they started getting better and I started honing the skills and the, the workflow. And then, um, yeah, started working more events and then, yeah, it just blossomed from there from, um, having my name get spread out from being, the photographer of these different athletes, the photographer of world triathlon, um, and then getting connected with all the different sponsors of each right. of those athletes, because it's much easier for them instead of flying a photographer out, I'm already there. So they just hire me to do the shoot. And then the athletes, I can work around their schedule. I know what it's like. Um, and they know me, so they're much more comfortable doing the shoots. Um, and so then those connections just <laughs> went on and on and on and on until yeah, <laughs> finally here we are where I have like too much work that I have to like, pass it off and um, like right, have to right. say no and everything. And then of course, like Super League came on board and PTO and um, everything and just based off of, um, yeah, having my, my name associated with these race images and, and stuff like that. So uh, I guess. Workflow <laughs> is such a big thing for photographers. File naming is like a whole, Beast. I feel like half, half, half your life is like file naming and uh, storing and, well, and all of that. that. It's more than that. Like people think like, oh, you're the photographer at the race. You just sit there and you like finish your pick style. You just like take the pictures and then give it to the athletes. Like, no, no, no. Like, a getting the pictures is really hard b getting all the best pictures is really hard and then getting them on your computer going through all of them editing them cropping them and then exporting them and then uploading them like it, the whole process is very very intensive and then if somebody comes to you like oh i need a picture of katie zafiris uh on the bike from yokohama in 2018 like I can go on my computer right now and find that exact image like within a minute because I, my file process is so good that, you know, like you have to get to that level, but it takes a long time to be able to do that. And like people yeah. don't realize like how much of photography is actually just sitting on the computer, like organizing things. <laughs> oh, for sure. And then now, I mean, it's interesting that you're talking about how like you gave your content to World Triathlon because now World Tri, like one of the big things I think they do that's really smart is they make all of their like they give us photos all the time. They make all of their like photos free for, for media outlets to use. And so does super league and that's, and it's really high quality photography and, and brands do this too. Now they've realized that if they get content from the athletes and then they make it available to you, you're more likely to use it. And then the person's wearing a, a Roka suit or whatever. And, uh, and I think people started to realize like, 
what value that has, you know? Yeah. And that was my biggest role for Roka was providing the athletes with images to post because if nobody has something to post, they're not going to post, but then you could post about anything like that's going on in your life. Like I ate dinner today, but it's a picture of you swimming in a Roka suit. Like that's still advertisement for Roka. Like just getting images to the athletes is like the biggest aspect of promotion. Um, and so same thing with world triathlon It's like, we want to try to get images of as many athletes as possible so that they have something to post because they found out like, Oh, if we have an image of every single athlete, every single athlete is posting about the race that's going to be happening, tagging world triathlon. And then in turn, all the sponsors are happy because they're like, Oh, this event is getting more promotion and that's good for us because we're putting money into, yeah supporting this so and then everyone's happy it's an ecosystem everybody's happy, right? everybody's happy. <laughs> nobody's so, ever mad ever <laughs> <laughs> no no triathletes don't get mad that's not a thing uh so you were flying all around doing all this stuff super crazy and you decided you wanted more of a real job so now you are usa triathlons and i'm gonna get this right talent id coordinator that's what the the sign says <laughs> yeah so what does that mean <laughs> well i kind of want to tell the story of how it happened because okay. it, that's even crazier um like i was not actively looking for another job i just had the thought of like what other jobs out there provide the type of flexibility that i have with roca like what else could i do that i would want to do and i'm like man there's like really limited things like i was really struggling so i was like whatever i'm like happy in this role like right. it's all good um so summer rapaport who is another olympian uh, from <laughs> tokyo uh she lives in durham which is just 20 minutes from us in north carolina and so when she's home and we're home, like we try to get together, but it's very rare that we're home right. at the same time, but we happen to be home at the same time. So she's like, Oh, you want to go for a run? Like, yes. So we're going for a run with summer and randomly have no idea how it came up. But on part of the run, she was saying like, Oh yeah. And Joe Malloy, like things are going well because he's looking to hire like two new people um, as part of the high performance team or something like that. And I was like, do you know what the roles were? And she's like, I have no idea. And I was like, I don't care what they are. I'm calling Joe like immediately. So of course, like I've known Joe for the last 12 years. Like we used to race, we like started racing together. He was one of the reasons I met Katie. He was my roommate in Tishavaris and I wasn't going to go to the after party. And he was like, you have to go, you have to go. And like twisted my arm basically to get me out the door to go. And so thank you, Joe, for um, I met Katie because of you. Um, So I've known Joe for a long time. Uh, He took over the CRP program, which is the collegiate recruitment program um, from Barb Lindquist. And so that that program basically was started as going into colleges and finding like really fast runners, division one runners who have a swim background and mm-hmm. then contacting them and telling them to give triathlon a try. So Gwen it's Jorgen- like a very simplified version of that. Very, yeah. very, very simplified. So the easier thing is like Gwen Jorgensen, Katie right. Summer, Taylor Spivey, Morgan Pearson, Matt McElroy, um, mm-hmm. Kirsten Casper, Renee Tomlin, like all these big name triathletes have come out of this program. So it was very successful. Um, Joe ended up, Joe Malloy took over that role um, for USA Triathlon. And he's been in that role for the last like two and a half or three years. Right. Um, so I called Joe and I was like, Summer, we were on a run. She said that you were hiring two people. A, have you hired them? If not, like, can I have one of the jobs? Like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what it is. I have no idea what it is. Um, I don't know if I'm qualified. I don't know if I have to go through like coaching certifications or like anything, but please let me know as soon as possible. And then I realized what time it was like eight in the morning. So, and he's on the West coast. So it was like 5am. So I'm like, why isn't he calling me back? Then? Uh, so of course he called me back when he woke up and nice. uh, he was like, dude, I'm so glad that you contacted me. He's like, um, we have this spot open. It's 
talent ID coordinator. And basically what it is, is taking over the CRP, but then also expanding this program um, massively. Uh, And so it's also going to include youth and junior development, um, creating Mm -hmm. new programs with that. Um, Of course, U23. But then so it's kind of encompassing all of talent, like the upcoming talent. Um, not just collegiate recruitment program. Collegiate recruitment is part of that, but then it's also going to include like athletes who are just racing at the Continental Cup level um, and trying to increase high performance without spending money, (laughs) Uh, which is how I pitched it. So I'm like, because I don't want to like ask for budget and be like, I need this and this to do this. It's like, no, no, no. I want to like spread knowledge and help these athletes like as a mentor and as a guide um, to, because I've been through this as, as starting from not knowing what triathlon was to being an elite racing at the WTCS level. Um, and then I've been part of other people's pathways, um, like Katie, who I've been married to for seven years, who had <laughs> the polar, polar opposite uh, pathway to high performance. So, uh, and then being uh, immersed in this international squad, like I've right. had access to knowing how other countries do it. Um, so basically I pitched to Joe and to the team because uh, I had to go through the whole interview process and like go through the whole HR spiel of like sending my resume and a cover letter and like saying what I would bring to the table. And so I, I had these multiple interviews that I went through. Um, but it was funny because they asked me like, when you read this job, what did you think? And I was like, I never read the job. I asked Joe what it was and he told me. So like, <laughs> kind of like cheating, like did it backwards. But um, so I kind of pitched to them what I thought talent ID coordinator meant and then what I would be able to bring to the table. Um, okay. And so then, of course, they hired me uh, as we know but um yeah they they thought i'd bring value in that space of being able to change the way that our youth and junior programs are run like um not necessarily things that uh, there are things that are in place i'm not changing much things but i'm adding to them so um just adding value without adding money, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, so, I, I keep hearing um, it's not adding money for you. Yeah, <laughs> and, well, that's what the, my whole thing is like being part of USA Triathlon, like growing up, funding was a huge issue. And like I was right. never on funding. So I was able to make it without having that assistance. But if we can do as much as possible without spending money, without having to fund this, then we can get to a certain point. But then after that, we can use that money for very specific things. And that Mm -hmm. money will go much further if we do that. So um, that was the whole idea is to seek out talent, um, create programs that help accelerate that talent, um, and then deliver into our um, Olympic pipeline, the next Olympic medalists. Um, And that can look a lot of different ways. And uh, we chatted a little bit, you and I, Kelly, before we started this, talk about how I came in um, my very first day. uh, We had an in-person summit in Colorado Springs, and I was expecting them to delegate work to me saying, all right, here's the programs. This is what we need you to do. This is who we need you to email. This is the document we need you to make, blah, blah, blah. But no, it was just like pure brainstorming for 48 hours of like, all right, what do we think that we can do better? What can we change? What are other countries doing? Um, How do we get the biggest bang for our buck without spending bucks? (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I've just been thrown into the the lion's den. um, Or I say like I was thrown into the deep end, but luckily I can swim. So um, the the bigger part of this as well. (laughs) 
is that paratriathlon is now com- completely equal with elite triathlon. So my whole role as talent ID is also including paratriathlon. Um, we get just as much funding uh, for paratriathlon medals as we do for elite medals at the Olympics and the Paralympics. So paratri is now at the very forefront, especially because Paris is coming up. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a bit easier to um, get talent and transfer talent um, in the paratriathlon realm to get a medal um, in two and a half years than it is to get some random person to become an elite medalist at the Olympics in two and a half I think years. It's, I mean, it's not. it's not like they are – it's not easier in the sense they're not as good athletes. It's just smaller. It's just fewer people to have to, to deal with. Correct. I think it's what the issue. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Um, and also there's a lot of like Paralympians who are from winter Olympics or right. um, different sports that let's they say their category over. got cut out of Paris. So they like recently they just announced what all the categories are mm-hmm. that are happening in Paris. So we go through like track and field and swimming and um, like the different Cycling. endurance sports yeah. uh, that, we see their category is no longer there. We talk to their national governing body saying, hey, do you have any athletes you could put in, us in touch with? So a lot of times we, there are athletes who have already been to the Paralympics, who have already won Olympic medals. Um, they've already proven themselves that they're high-performance athletes. And then if we can transfer them to triathlon, um, then that's gold. So Like, like Brad Snyder Brad or Kendall Snyder Gretsch. Or Kendall Gretsch. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, um, and then, yeah, we, so we want to fill those categories as well. Um, cause right now the numbers are, are pretty low. Um, and that's another part of my role is creating marketing okay. campaigns to help get the word out, um, in these different programs and make it easy, like the resources easier to access. Um, so everything more accessible, um, also the proper co- contacts, like who do you contact if you know somebody sort of thing. So, right. Um, well, that's always, yeah. The, who do you even contact? Who do you even talk to? It's always like, it feels like a mystery if you don't know, right? Yeah. And then working for Roca in the marketing department for the last seven years, I'm like, all right, reduce clicks. Like if you go to the USA Triathlon website, I'm like, Jesus, like 15 clicks to even find like something. And like, I would have to click on every single possible oh, yeah. thing just to like find this. It's not like, so like trying to revamp, make it as few of clicks as possible for no matter what somebody's looking for to be able to find that information. Um, and then, uh, yeah, creating different programs and protocols in, in that sense. So um, I have got a list, yeah, from my head to my toes okay. of things that are going on. And of course, like I came in at the end of the year. So everyone's trying to get things done by the end of the year slash right. everyone's trying to plan for next year. Um, and then there's holidays going on. So uh, yeah, every day I'm just working like crazy nonstop trying to um, figure out what is priority, what's the most important, what can I work on, where, where do I bring the most value? Um, And so, yeah, two weeks in, I'm like, literally still just like over my head with stuff that's going on and haven't even like touched on the like, actual talent ID part of like, creating, all right, what's our next protocol of like, how we're going to find the next uh, Gwen Jorgensen or Katie's, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah does usat do like um combine style talent id camps they yeah, do right yeah so right now that's another thing that i'm working on is creating mm. virtual combines um mm. for, in the first part and um revamping different um like world leading times internationally competitive times um like national team type times or like Olympic potential times. So having these graphs and different events and different times, and then I'm doing the same thing for para. So every mm-hmm. single category um, and then different tests that people can do uh, kind of for fun um, just to see where their progress is. But then also we can use the already established athletes, their times and their data um, to go out. And when we're doing some talent IDing, um, saying like, here's 
some of the stats that we have. Um, if you can do stuff, like we can see where you land and blah, blah, blah. I think when so. you say talent ID, like everyone in their heads, I think of like baseball scouts, right? And going and sitting in the stands and like judging if someone's like a good pitcher or not, you know? And are you going to try and recruit them? Is that, you guys going to do that? Yeah, yeah. So basically what Barb's, well, okay. So we're expanding and this is very complicated, but um, the, the basic of it is as a very basic example. Um, so Katie's cross-country coaches at Syracuse where she ran, mm-hmm. um, they were helpful in connecting Barb with Katie because they they know their athletes. They know Katie had a, a swimming background. Right. They knew she wasn't going to be like professional runner. Like she could be, but she wouldn't make a living at it. It right. would just be like one of the um, right. C-level runners, but she, they're like, she has a swimming background. She's this endurance athlete. She could be one of the best triathletes. So if I talk to those coaches and then create a network of coaches at all these D1 schools where they can contact us when they have an athlete who they know um, is going to, could be a professional runner, but like wouldn't quite make it, but then they know they have a swimming background or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Just different little things that we'll give them kind of criteria saying, if you have anybody that falls under this, let us know and we'll get in touch and not to take them away from their sport, but just to inform them about what the opportunities are after they graduate or even getting them involved with the sport uh, from a knowledge level. Like if you're a freshman and then yes, we want you to be the best runner you can possibly be before you come to triathlon. So just focus on running, but in the back of your mind, like maybe watch some triathlons. We can provide you as a trainer, you know, like just know about the sport Uh, in the off season, like jump in the pool. Um, Yeah. Get on Zwift, like whatever it is. Uh, and so just, yeah, telling them what the opportunities are, creating that network across the U.S. Um, another thing is like checking cross-country results and mm-hmm. cross, like checking names and seeing if they show up on USA Swimming sites um, or like going to junior lifeguard regional championships or national championships, checking results from there. Like who are the best run-swim runners? Um, who are the best like rescue relay athletes or like endurance runners or whatever? Um, who are able to handle themselves in like an open water swim situation and blah, blah, blah. So there's like so many different ways that we can do it. But uh, those are the programs and protocols that we need to A, figure out, B, make a plan for, and then put them in place. So that's what we're all working on. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because like the NCAA, a couple of the NCAA coaches, because, you know, like obviously NCAA is for women is in the process. And they told me that and I didn't realize this, that like for swimming at the NCAA level or running at the NCAA level, there's like a very in-depth recruiting computer program. You can see like results of all potential recruits kind of around the country. And then a triathlon at the, for triathlon that it's in the process of being developed. It doesn't like quite exist like that yet where you can't just like log in and be like, Oh, these are the best recruits. Like yeah, that's no. not a thing. <laughs> not, no. not a thing. Okay. Um, hopefully it will be in the future. Cause ideally like, once triathlon becomes more popular, especially at the collegiate level, like before people even decide to go to college for running or for swimming or whatever, like, yeah, maybe they could put their name in the database, you know, like (laughs) on their own accord, like we don't have to go out and find them. But unfortunately at this point, like, Oh, I would say the majority of people don't even know what triathlon is. So um, that's going to be step one is, um, once we go to them, we explain what triathlon is and then pitch how awesome it is. And, um, explain the opportunities that triathlon will bring them um, in the future. So, you said you have lots of lists and lots of brainstorming, and every pro I've ever met who's like been in the sport for a while has their like what they would fix if they would were in charge. You know, what are your what are your like? This is what I'm gonna do now that you're in charge. 
<laughs> yeah, um, I think cutting down on the clutter. Um, mm. I, I guess that's the easiest way to say it is like, I remember doing a lot of things where it's like, you're doing this data test, you're doing this test, and you're going through this protocol, and you're submitting this information. And you're, it was just like a lot of stuff. And I'm like, what happened to that information? Who used that? And right, right. now, like, they have a lot of information coming in, but they don't have enough personnel to even handle that information or like know what to do with it. So I'm like, we need to get rid of like all these things that are making it a little bit more difficult for athletes and like just simplify. So um, that's my biggest thing is I just want to simplify everything. Um, as I talked about with like reducing right. clicks, like the same thing, but in the overall idea is um, if somebody needs information on something, I want them to be able to find it. If somebody wants to know how to do something, I want them to be able to find it. And I want the, there to be like a video tutorial or me to be a phone call away to explain how they should do it. If there's two different scenarios or three different scenarios, four different scenarios where they're like, I don't know which one to do. What should I do? This, 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 like, I want to be able to help make those decisions. So, um, I, I guess that would be my answer is like reducing clutter and reducing okay. clicks. <laughs> clicks. Yeah. And you're obviously solely focused on ITU Olympic pipeline, right? Correct. Yeah. So my role doesn't really have anything to do with um, like long, long distance uh, right. professional USA triathlon athletes, unless there's like somebody new who comes in and only knows what Ironman is. And then right. like, maybe they would be good um, in the Olympic pipeline. And then we try to bring them over or age groupers or whatever. But right. um, at this point, yeah, there, there's not funding for that style of racing uh, because the funding comes from the IOC or, or the USO OPC, sorry, <laughs> um, the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee. Um, mm -hmm. And so if somebody's racing Ironman, it doesn't serve a purpose for um, the USOPC. So for um, high performance. I know. I mean, obviously USAT cares about growing the sport overall. And so they care about age groupers doing long distance and it's all like a, but for high performance, it's just not a thing. You exactly. Yeah. So yeah. for our specific department, it, right. that is not, not a focus, but um, I did pitch because I want to revamp like our social channels and the marketing that we do behind for everything. high performance or for USA triathlon, not for USA triathlon for the high performance or okay. what we call development. So um, in the USAT elite channel, um, which is primarily focused on the Olympic pipeline, I would also include uh, long distance athletes in that just so that we are promoting them. Um, I mean, you know, Taylor Nib can do whatever she wants, right? Yeah. <laughs> so who, so you guys are, I mean, we have a shortened cycle this time. You're already thinking about Paris. I would assume you're already thinking about Paris. Oh, absolutely. Already on yeah. LA. <laughs> already. Right. So who, what are like, who should we be watching out for? Like, what should we be watching for in the next three years? Uh, that's a question that I actually can't answer yet <laughs> uh, because I haven't even gotten to that point yet uh, if you want like names. But uh, yeah, so that is part of the role is putting in the process, putting into place the programs mm -hmm. that will find the next people. So the next time you interview me, I'll be able to give you some names. Like, Good. This is the programs that helped us find blah, blah, blah. Joe Schmo. There you go. Go Joshua. Um, yeah, I would imagine LA is going to be pretty big too since it's in the US. Yeah. Right? So that's a huge yeah. focus for us. Are we going to get three men and three women then? Yeah, Good. absolutely. Good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. What else do you have planned then? Are you doing any more races or is it all new job, all focused on figuring out the next big star? Yeah. Right now, just full focus on the job. Um, yeah. Just fully immersed in that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The only racing that I'm doing is on Zwift and <laughs> uh, nice, KOM nice. hunting on Strava. So. <laughs> and you're training with Katie. Um, and I know she's about to move up to 70.3, right? So have you guys been training more? 
Well, right now it's like the been the perfect off season because uh, we got home. We're just settling in home. That's been our priority for after the season because Katie did the Olympics, of right. course, at the beginning of the year. Um, her father passed away, so that made an insanely challenging year for us. Um, and then she finished off the year with seven races and seven weeks in seven countries. So um, after that, it was just like, poof, all right, we're taking a <laughs> massive break. Uh, we need to like regroup. So um, Katie, like I've just been doing my own stuff. Uh, Katie hasn't even really been training. She's just been kind of doing like two things a day. Um, we've kind of been doing separate stuff because my schedule now is like very different. So right. I'm just like full on focus on making sure that I'm doing my job the best I possibly can. Um, and right now I'm not shooting any events. Uh, and so I have a break from that. So I, I can be like full focus on the USA triathlon thing to get everything dialed uh, for next year. And so I'm just trying to fit in my own training uh, when I can. But I did make a, I wanted to do a turkey trot, but we signed up for a turkey trot and it wasn't on actual Thanksgiving. So we weren't here for it. <laughs> but oh, no. I, I set a goal to run sub 15 5k because uh, I want to see how long, how many years I can keep doing that for. Uh, but I ended up not training at all for the last like two and a half <laughs> weeks. So, uh, and, but we missed the turkey trot. So I'm like, okay, I can do this a solo time trial whenever I want. So, <laughs> okay. So that's your goal to run your sub 15 5k by the end of the year yeah. solo yeah. around your neighborhood. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool well thank you so much for chatting with us tommy and uh and good luck with the new job i'm gonna next time i talk to you i'm gonna be like who are the stars i need to know about you yeah. would have an and i'm gonna tell you like 45 people <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well good luck all right thank you very much <laughs> thanks to tommy for talking the day before thanksgiving and thanks to all of you for listening if you like what you hear leave us a review or share with your friends keep listening and keep training <laughs>